Welcome to Good News, brought to you by Listening for Clues. We are Lauren Welch and John Shemitek, deacons in the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland. We sure are, and today we have a very special guest, Father Steve Holt. Steve is currently rector of the Church of the Guardian Angel in Baltimore City, where he serves a community-focused parish that is very active in their Remington neighborhood. He is also the associate for mission for the Episcopal Diocese of Maryland, helping churches across the diocese to become more involved in sharing the love of Jesus in public. His prior experience includes community organizing in Los Angeles, regional planning in Greater Baltimore, and homelessness services for the state of Maryland. He lives in the Edna Gardens Lakeside neighborhood with his wife, Heather, and their three children, where he enjoys running and tabletop gaming. Welcome, Steve. It's so good to have you with us today. Great to be with you all. It, we're really happy to have you with us today, Steve. So Guardian Angel has always been a uh, community-based parish. With your community organizing, I'm excited to hear what you all are doing now. So tell us a little bit. Sure. Yeah. For those who aren't familiar with Guardian Angel, it has been active in the Remington neighborhood for decades. That goes back to George Cromer, who helped build what's now called Cromer Hall 100 years ago where we host a lot of our ministries. And of course, my predecessor, Pastor Alice, incredibly involved in the Remington community. And yeah, so when the opportunity came to be able to, to be a part of this parish and to become the new rector in 2020, already knew the neighborhood, already loved Remington, already knew about the parish and the work that it had done in the community. And it was in talking with the vestry and you know, thinking about what Garden Angel would do next it was such an amazing space to be in to see that they had already done a lot of the things that I was passionate and interested in. So yeah, it's, and of course it would, it would have to be a great fit uh, to be able to jump in in June, 2020, uh, three months into a pandemic. Um, it was quite the time to be making a career change uh, and to be jumping into a new situation. I don't have any regrets about that at all, but it was definitely uh, yeah, quite, quite a moment in time to be to be doing that so steve were you were a newly ordained episcopal priest at that point is that so yes yeah. New, yeah yeah i was ordained into the episcopal church in april 2020 so wow. as a priest so i had about two months to be an episcopal priest before i was you know called called right into ministry and of course yeah april 2020 that was that was i think the first post-pandemic ordination. So we had to keep it to under 10 people in the cathedral. Very, very interesting service, you know, trying to figure out how to do live streaming and all of that. Yeah, that was brand new then. So I think there were probably a glitch or two. Let me ask you this though, Steve, a lot of our uh, viewers are clearly Baltimore based folks, uh, but we have a, actually a fairly broad audience through, throughout the country and even internationally. Can you talk a little bit more about the Remington neighborhood that you serve in and, and about your parish, so kind of the makeup? What, what kind of folk are we talking about? 
Sure. So Remington is a neighborhood in Baltimore City that historically has been a white working class community. So it is where a lot of going back to the days of mills along the Jones Falls, you know, it's a lot of a lot of mill workers for a long time. It's, you know, you can still see lots of the, the auto body repair shops and kind of the light industrial. And it's a neighborhood that has in the last 10 years changed a lot where there are still a lot of the legacy residents, people who have been there because their their parents and their grandparents and in some cases even their great grandparents grew up in that neighborhood and then we've also seen a lot of new people move in because it's also located right next to johns hopkins university which is a world-class institution of higher education and so it's attracted a lot of people young professionals people who are involved in the nonprofit sector people who are involved in government and higher education roles in the you know and the eds and meds um, the, you know, the Baltimore city, you know, major growth sectors. So we have a lot of those people who have moved into the neighborhood too. And so it's, what makes it an interesting place though, is where we've seen a lot of that happen in Baltimore city in white working class neighborhoods. But I think there's really been a commitment by the community to not just make this about displacement, that it's not just, here's the new people we're taking over from the legacy residents we've been able to work really closely with the Greater Remington Improvement Association, which is a lot of the leadership are newer people, people that are connected with these nonprofits and with these, these universities. But they have really been focused on not just pushing out people, but really thinking about what does it mean to be a neighborhood where we are coexisting, where we are figuring out ways to maintain community services like the ones that Guardian Angel offers, where we're figuring out how to keep housing affordable even as new development is coming in and and i think that that's been one of the things that's great about the community as a whole and a place where guardian angel has had a specific role of being the place where everyone feels welcome it's a place where a lot of the legacy residents are ones who are coming to us for the food pantry but also just using the space for events and for birthdays and for for funerals and things like that and the community association meets there and we've brought in yoga classes. We've brought in like kickboxing classes and things like that. We've partnered with a local synagogue. So we've found ways to be the connecting place that as the community has changed, that Guardian Angel is still a place that is there for everyone. Steve, what has surprised you as in your, I mean, I know it's been a short time really, but what, what has surprised you about the people and about the ministry that's happening there? The question I never got asked before I started at Guardian Angel was, do you speak Spanish? Okay. Because nobody I talked to knew that that was important. I didn't know it was important. I had worked in that neighborhood in the past. I had been involved there in a lot of different ways and it just never came up and the first few times that i was at the food pantry i noticed that we had a few spanish speakers and i haven't used it hadn't at that point used it extensively since moving to baltimore from los angeles which is now you know over 10 years ago and uh, but i just started having some conversations and kind of like okay like getting to know people a little bit. And what's 
happened, what's developed over the last three years is that we actually have a lot of Central American immigrants that have moved into the neighborhood as well. That within the last three to five years, there's been a lot of people who have come that as, as new development has happened in Remington, there's a lot of construction jobs and a lot of food service jobs at the restaurants and people have come into the neighborhood because some of it has retained affordability and because it's convenient to where they're trying to go. So they've come into the neighborhood and they're part of the Remington community now too. And I had to spend a lot of time just getting back up to speed with, okay, we've, we've got Spanish speakers here. There were a few people always coming in with the food pantry. It really hit me about a year into it when we were doing one of our backpack giveaways. Every year we, we help, we work with St. Mark's and St. Andrew's, two churches in Howard County. We put together school supplies for children to help them get ready for the school year. Backpacks loaded with calculators and paper and pencils. And I, I noticed most of the families that were coming were Spanish speaking. And, you know, kind of that community organizer, regional planner background, I wanted to dig a little deeper because it was like, okay, this is anecdotally, I see a lot of families with children speaking Spanish. And then I looked more closely at the demographics for the local elementary school and realized that it was 25% Latino. And it was like, this is something that has truly changed in this community where there are, in fact, a lot of immigrant families and a lot of the people with young children in this community. I'll, I'll say like the parents usually do not speak English. The children are bilingual. So it's kind of an interesting mix there. But that is something that has shaped a lot of our efforts over the last few years. As we've shifted to, we're now a bilingual food pantry. We now think about how are we offering everything in Spanish and in English. Most of the families for the back to school giveaway and for the Christmas toy drive that are coming, primarily Spanish speaking. And we've kind of become a liaison with the community association as they have also tried to figure out how to welcome in Spanish speakers. They, they decided in part because of the conversations we had with them to, when they hired a part-time volunteer coordinator, they made sure to get somebody who was bilingual. And I think, I think one of the things that's exciting for us too, as a church, is we've had the ability to partner with Reverend Margarita Santana, who is the, you know, the canon for Latino mission for the diocese. And she has helped us leading a second service. So we do now have a Spanish mass at guardian angel, and there's a lot of young families from the neighborhood who are now participating in that mass. I, I let it myself for a little while, but quickly ran into the, I, I can preach and I can celebrate a mass, but when you're having pastoral conversations with people, they really want to know that you are fluent and Reverend Margarita has been just fantastic to work with and has done such a great job. And we've, we've been so blessed to have that partnership as we've been doing this work to welcome in the immigrant community within Remington to be a part of La Iglesia. Yeah, you're right. Reverend Margarita is an amazing, an amazing person for sure. When you think about, I think you point out something really important too, is being fluent in language doesn't necessarily mean you're fluent culturally with folks that they can, you know, at that level, the deep level of the heart, the mm -hmm. communication is it's completely, you know, it's just a different level, no question about it. So, Steve, it sounds like just you've ticked off a number of important kinds of ministries that you and, and Guardian Angel 
have done. I mean, you talked about the food pantry, which I understand is just that's that's a huge operation, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So prior to the pandemic, the food pantry was serving about 70 households a week. During the pandemic, we got up to around 100 households a week. Right now, we're actually serving pretty close to double that 70 households number. Wow. We're right around we're right around 130 households every week. There's a couple of things that have happened there. One is one is just the increase in demand, which I think everyone realizes, you know, the pandemic, of course, increased the demand. A lot of people were out of work, did not have access to food in the same way that they had before. And that absolutely contributed. But I think there might still be a misperception that the pandemic's over. And so the demand went down. The demand went up because mm -hmm. what happened was post-pandemic, as of this March, all of the additional food assistance that was being provided as part of that emergency authorization, they cut that. Mm -hmm. And we immediately saw our numbers go like from 100 up to 120 and slowly rising. So there's been an increased demand, which has led to us getting more households. I will say, though, it's also partly been we have had an increased capacity. We were able through a through a community development blocks grant, we've been able to have a food pantry director. So we have a part-time staff person, Michael Brown, who's responsible for helping manage things. One of the services that started as a result of the pandemic was delivery. So we do we deliver our food to about 30 households each week. It wasn't something that, that had been done prior to the pandemic. It became a necessity for people who are medically vulnerable. But what we realized that even as the pandemic ended, that there are a lot of people who need food that because of disabilities or other things that are ongoing, the delivery distribution couldn't stop, that there were people that still were not going to be able to make it to the food pantry. So there's that increase in our capacity. And then, of course, you know, really becoming a bilingual food pantry has led to more people from the neighborhood coming in, realizing that this is a place where they can get food, not be judged. We're not going to, we're not here to ask a lot of questions. We're not here to sort of, you know, make your life hard. We're here to give you food if you need food and work with you on anything else that you might need to. And I think having, having that relationships, having people know I, little things just like our signs are in English and Spanish now. So they know that if they, there's an expectation and it's a, and we meet the expectation that if they show up and they speak Spanish, we're going to be able to serve them. And they don't have to worry about whether or not they can actually talk to anybody at the church. Mm -hmm. So Steve, along with the um, food pantry, uh, Guardian Angel has the thrift shop. Is it, yes, and we it's do. And, and it's still serving the community? Yeah, it's open on the first and second Saturday of each month. It is run entirely by a team of volunteers. They have kept that going. They figured out ways to make it work in the pandemic, which was hard for everybody, but they, they did it. And that continues to be available, and that's a service. And it's also it's something that is making items available at low cost, makes a huge difference from the community. And it's also something that we use as a church resource for people who can't afford anything. We're still able to kind of help them out. I've gone down there to help people get clothes for job interviews, for example, that they needed something to look professional in order to get hired. And we were, you know, able to help out with those kinds of things. So it's, 
yeah, that continues to be a resource that we have for the neighborhood. Oh, that's, that's great. At the beginning, you said this has been, this call to serve in this particular place in this particular time is, is a perfect fit for you. And it, it really sounds like that's true. Can, can you talk a little bit about how this has changed you in any way and informed your faith journey in any way at all? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out if there's a short version of this, but I don't think there is. I was ordained as a priest the first time around in 2013 and in the Anglican Church in North America. That's a, that's a whole long story in and of itself. I spent the first five years that I was here in Baltimore in bivocational ministry, really working on regional planning, you know, helping do homeless services for the state of Maryland and those kinds of things and kind of being a priest on the side. And, and I, I know coming into it three years ago, that was one of my own apprehensions was that it was like, you know, I sure I had trained for this, but seminary had been eight years at that point. You know, it's, I had, I had graduated from Fuller in LA back in 2012 and it had been, there was an eight year gap. And I had really come to think of myself as sort of like a, like being a priest was a hobby that I had. So kind of coming into a space where it was, you know, I was the rector of a congregation and it was, this was what I was doing. I was, I, I was nervous. Like I was not sure how I was going to feel about that, how that fit was going to be. So having a church where kind of all of the, all the prior experience was relevant, you know, having done a lot of community organizing and things like that was a big part of what guardian angel was looking for. I think maybe the the biggest blessing I've received in my faith journey over the last three years is it as it turns out I really like being a priest. I I enjoy doing the work and ministering alongside a congregation and really being a part of what they are doing and participating in the liturgy every week and welcoming people. Uh, welcoming people both to the meal table of the food pantry, but also the the Eucharistic table on Sunday mornings and making the connections between those two things and and really helping that be a reality and helping people make those connections and understand understand themselves as a as a meal community, a group of people that eat with one another because we have been brought together by Christ. And I think that's yeah. I really like being a priest, and I don't know that I could have said that prior to coming to Guardian Angel. Your your joy, as you say that, is palpable, not only visible, but that's that's great. It's good to hear that. Thank you. Being the priest at Guardian Angel, you, in addition, have another job that you have just begun with the diocese as a priest, which is bringing congregations together. So tell us. Tell us a little bit about being the associate, associate for mission, is it? Yes. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I am I, I think I'm still figuring out what my job is just because <laughs> uh, you know, mission includes so much. I mean, really it kind of includes everything the church does, really. But it's so far I've enjoyed being able to help make connections between congregations, especially here in Baltimore City and what's happening in the community. And some of that's happened in sort of some surprising and unexpected ways and and really start to just get a feel for sort of how do we get more involved 
and a lot of the things that I've have prior experience in and kind of thinking about public policy around things like affordable housing, public transportation. And then sometimes it's just things that just sort of come up. You know, I think you all are familiar with the Sutton Scholars. It's a high school enrichment program for Baltimore City students that, you know, covers a lot of things over the summer. But one of the things that they were trying to think about was how do, you know, how do we teach kids about legislative advocacy and how to have a voice and I was able to work with Ken and Chris and set up a visit to City Hall. We brought these high school students into City Hall. They were able to meet the appointee for the city solicitor role, who talked to them about what it were to be the first woman to be appointed to that role. Uh, and and to hear the kids clap, you know, to re- realizing how important that actually was in the rotunda of the City Hall where it echoes was amazing and then met a few other people and just i think kind of got the sense that like oh my city officials are approachable real people councilman john bullock uh from the ninth district here in west baltimore was the one who was leading this tour but he had a conversation with them in the city council chambers where um he was explaining to them uh that these were the same city council chambers that had passed the nation's first racially restrictive zoning ordinance in 1911 Mm. um and that for him as a black man who grew up in West Philadelphia, representing neighborhoods in West Baltimore that have experienced so much disinvestment because of racism and segregation, for, for him to be in the same room where his voice would not have been allowed, his voice was absolutely excluded, but to be there as a city councilman representing his district, representing people who we're not included in those conversations for sure. Just the, 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 how meaningful that was. And to see these high school students realize like, oh, this is, this is actually important. Like this matters. Um, and the lights going on um, with kind of like being in that space and realizing like, oh yeah, this is, this is important. So that's, yeah, that's I think that's probably been the most fun I've had so far in the, in the new role. Yeah, and it is, uh, the Sutton Scholars clearly is one of the key important programs that are making a difference in the city here and uh, that the diocese uh, provides and supports. So Steve, if any of our viewers or listeners would like to get in contact with you to find more about your ministry or the work that uh, Guardian Angel is doing in any of these uh, amazing things that are happening in Remington, how can they reach you? So the best way to reach me is my email address, which is the, it's the rector at guardianangelremington.org. That is the thing that I most consistently am able to respond to. My kids are six, four, and almost a year old. So in the course of a day, anything could be happening at any moment. But I am, I'm pretty consistent about getting to my email and trying to respond to you know, to people who are interested in what we're doing, who want to volunteer with the food pantry, who want to be involved in our other ministries. That's a fantastic way to get in touch with me. Perfect. So contacting you directly through your emails the best way. Sounds great. Yes. Yeah. Steve, this has been a pleasure having you today and just a, a real inspiration, a wonderful, wonderful story. And I can't tell you how much I personally have learned and how much I appreciate your spending time with us today. But before we go, is there anything else you'd like to share? Any words of wisdom that you want to leave with us? 
I think you're just kind of like coming coming back to the Spanish speaking ministry, but there's there's been a whole lot of other things that have happened in my time at Guardian Angel. And I feel like the one thing that has mattered the most has just been a willingness to listen to what is happening in the neighborhood, to partner with what is going on and just see what happens. Um, God is already at work in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and is often just waiting for us to wait, listen, find out what's happening and join in, in with it. Um, and then see where that leads because it, it's not usually where we expect, but it is always good. That's great. Thank That's you. great. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Thanks. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. And, and John and I want to thank everyone who is viewing this or listening to it. We cannot do this without your participation. So please take a moment to comment, like, or share on all your social media platforms. And again, thank you for the gift of your time with us today. Until next time, peace and blessings. Good News is being brought to you by Listening for Clues. You can find us on our website, listeningforclues.com, our YouTube channel, our Vimeo channel, and just about every podcast platform that there is. Hope to see you soon.